We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 379 of the Win 6 podcast, probably part of the Eurostep podcast network and the Blue Wire podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and join me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Fighting this bug. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Um, bah humbug. I gotta find my oh, Christmas spirit. Just like that, all the sympathy anyone might have had for Jordan has disappeared. It's like, oh, he's he's got a bug. That's terrible. <laughs> Cue bar homebug pun. So apologies for any um, many throat clearances that are will happen over the next hour and change. <laughs> That's okay. People are used to listening to Andrew on Cruiser for Bruising, so they'll be more than familiar with that. Um, last time we talked, the books were preparing to set off on I guess something of a road trip. There's some road and home games mixed in. There has been over the past week. More road games and home games to come, but a tough stretch of games, generally. Uh, saying that, I definitely think if we said they were to go 2-1 and one this week, we would not have picked the Houston Rockets as the loss. We can get into some of that. Kind of felt like a foot off the gas, no show from the books, nothing going down, nothing happening. Uh, but two really quality wins against the Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. This has the Bucks twenty and seven in the standings. Celtics are 
22 and 7. So it really is only a matter of having played fewer games right now. The Bucks can close that gap if they so wish, Jordan. Um, one game back of the top of the Eastern Conference, eight and two in their last 10. Chris Middleton, dare I say, settling in, looking a little bit smoother and more like himself, particularly against the the Golden State Warriors. Um Things are things are looking pretty good, wouldn't you say, Jordan? I would say so. I think um, there's obviously more tests to come over this next week and a half, two week stretch. But even with Drew out, another I believe he's going to be out tonight as we're recording this. That's correct. Um, still kind of missing some pieces, whether it's Drew or smaller guys or smaller role players on within the rotation they're still kind of fitting guys in seamlessly and people are still working their way back whether it's chris or pat or um wes obviously came back from his i believe uh, or health and safety protocol so it's like managing the the slog of the, the regular season and they're still finding ways to win and guys are still showing out beyond just Giannis, and even i mean you could say Giannis is having a rough week because it's been a weird few games, <laughs> to say the least. It's just been non-Giannis-like, and it, he's going through his own thing, but it's still worth noting that he's still scoring like 30 points, and even if it's on 27 shots or whatever the case may be, there's still a lot of help with this Bucks team that is happening beyond the outstretched arms of Giannis Antetokounmpo that is why the Bucks are 20 and seven and could be easily first in the East uh, in a couple of days time. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're, I think who we thought they were and a little bit better than that. I think to this point in the season, like I thought they were going to be a very good team this season um, I believe I picked them to be first in the East, but I think they're slightly ahead of the schedule. I had them at. I think they did a much better job of dealing with the absence of Chris, the absence of Pat, and even to some degree, now that those guys are back, it feels like their game plan is still playing as if they're not there, and you're getting bonus contributions, particularly with Chris. I'm going to be interested to see how that evolves. It doesn't feel like Chris is kind of in a Chris type role, finding kind of that kind of flow to the offense yet. And yet he is having some success too, which is interesting. Um, I don't know if that's a, there's room for some more kind of experimentation or maybe some more shifts in how the books are their offense. That remains to be seen, but yeah, for me, they're ahead of schedule. They're looking very, very strong. I don't think we've any real doubts over the defense. There's been some kind of, fluctuation on that front lately but there's obvious reasons for that and i don't really see it as anything of concern like the offense is picking it up we are seeing kind of just the benefit of added threats out there right now and you've got a whole group of guys who are just playing at a really really high level uh Giannis is obviously at the forefront of that but as we've talked about at times this season like he is having his ups and downs for sure not everything is going his way. Um, certainly all of the jump shots he took against the Warriors were not going his way. But there's just a really good 
vibe to I think how the books are playing. Uh, it's it feels like somewhere we've been before, and that it generally leads to good things or sets them up to kind of compete in the right kind of way when things are humming along like this. And also, I mean, I know we've had spent so much time, and there'll be even more talk about it. And every it feels like once a week, and we're we're not even talking about a whole lot on the pod, but some detail will emerge of you know Jay Crowder trade talks and the book's involvement and I guess even someone like Eric Gordon now being on the market like he's a player that I think the books have at times been linked to it and you just would never be surprised in what way things go and in spite of all of that I look at the books right now I'm like this team doesn't need to trade uh, this team is kind of set no. as it is they just need to keep focus on you know the players who've been out working back to the very best of what they can do um, continuing to manage the season well and be ready to go when it comes to the postseason and I think they will be very, very, very difficult for any team to beat come the playoffs if they can do that. Are you kind of on that train too? I feel like you are. It's usually where you would be. But as we approach the season where trade talks are just going to kick up more generally around the NBA, and I've no doubt the books will explore options, I feel absolutely zero urgency for them to do that right now. Yeah, happy December 15th, everybody. Um a made-up holiday on the NBA calendar that's like, yeah, everybody's trade eligible does not mean that someone's going to get traded on December 15th, which kind of, I feel like that's how it's advertised. Um, yeah, I, w- I would kind of agree with that. I, I, There are definite needs that they have within the roster that I think could come back to haunt them. But when we're talking about, again, this is just, kind of the old maxim of focusing on veteran players that want to come to a championship contending team, whether it's PJ Tucker, now Jake Crowder, boss man, 99. Um, Or, I mean, it's going to happen next year. It's going to have, there's always going to be a player every year that it's going to be circled as he's either city out or he's on a team that has changed course completely. Um, and it's a matter of contending teams to put up their best assets, whether it's a second round draft pick or um, uh, a nice quality role player. But to do that, you have to give up players that are worth value to the other teams. And that is a little bit tough to do when you have a formula that is working right now, and a lot of guys are playing their best basketball um, maybe even ever uh, within like as a role player um, within a, you know, 20 and seven bucks team that has aspirations to make it to the finals again. So yeah, like I, I think for all the talk about like what Jay Crowder could do this team and everything like that, it will change things if they somehow make a way to, to acquire him and, what they would lose, whether that's Grayson Allen, because obviously his trade, his salary is probably the best to move for someone like Jay Crowder or whoever else. As much as I have my quibbles with Grayson, and you look at that Rockets game, and it's like, where <laughs> the bad nights for Grayson are bad, but then it's juxtaposed with he goes six for six against the Warriors, plays with an aggression that you need from him. Like that is. That is, I think that's the maddening thing about watching Grayson 
and as we just go into him specifically, he has it in him to play with it with you know his foot down and drive it to the basket. And yes, he's not the greatest or most nimble driver by any means, but like it's not just he's a shooting threat. He knows how to to make a threat with his shooting, if that makes sense. He can attack closeouts. He can do a little bit of everything and just kind of make some good passes, even though it's just like kind of an adventure. <laughs> it's like there's something in them that like, or in his play that you could say like, I would trust Grayson, you know, come a playoff series. It's just a matter of maintaining that confidence. I, I do think that's his biggest, his biggest thing that he has to overcome is like, you played at Duke, you played in, you won a, a, a championship in your freshman year against and beat the Wisconsin Badgers. You know what I mean? Like he has experiences of playing high level basketball and doing so on a national stage and with everybody watching him. It's like, you kind of have to just go back into that, into that groove of like, it does not matter what, <laughs> what is in front of me. I'm just going to play my game and just play it the same way that I do every day. And so I think that's for, for me, it's just, it's just a, the confidence issue with Grayson that I, I, it's just so apparent for me that like, I just want him to shake out against, you know, nights like he had against the Rockets. I do also think though, there is a level of player he is and there's a level of player he isn't. And he's, what's expected of him as a book falls within, I think what's perfectly acceptable for where his ability is, but there are going to be some bad games. Like, I think that that kind of has to be accepted. If he was the perfect version of himself all the time, well, then he's an entirely different player with a different salary and a different role and different conversations around him. Um, like the discussions are something more fit related, more matchup related. When you think of well, would the books prefer someone different to be in that role. I mean, I've been on this before, and I I think Ty was on with us and disagreed. I don't think Jay Crowder is the colossal upgrade in a lot of ways um, that people are making him out to be. There's obviously one way, two ways, uh, defense and size, where there's very, very clear appeal. But I, I do think we're probably overlooking a lot of the elements of what Grayson can do offensively. Yes, he doesn't do them every night, but he's not he's not your second star. He's not like, he's not someone you should be tasking with doing any of that. So if that's something that's going to let you down in the playoffs, that's going to be a failing on the whole team more than that, because it shouldn't come down to, we need Grayson Allen to win a playoff series. Like that's, that's not how any of this works or should work even against a good team. Like he could be a key difference maker or he may not be a key difference maker, but if it's a conference finals against the Celtics and it's like, Oh, well, Derek White delivered and Grayson Allen didn't. That's why the books are, going home the season ends here and we're all going to stew on this and ask all sorts of big kind of questions with the future of the franchise from here i'll be kind of calling bullshit if we get to that point because as much as that can really hurt that's going to say something about bud and Giannis and chris and drew and brooke before you're getting to oh well grayson it was all about grayson so I think there's an element of that which we're now kind of overplaying. What what I really wanted to get into, and you've brought us right into it and in talking about Grayson, 
I think that Warriors game was a really interesting snapshot of something the books have going for them that I think would be the envy of the vast majority of teams around the NBA. And that is that players four, five, six, seven, eight are really, really good. Really, really good. With the exception of one, they're having great seasons and the player who is not having a great season is Pat Connaughton. And we know why that is, and we'll give him plenty of time. There's no reason he can't be very impactful by the time the playoffs come around. Brooke continues to just be an absolute force. He only had seven points in that Warriors game, but it felt like so much more. I think they were all first quarter points, too. First, yeah, first quarter points. Um, a couple of emphatic blocks. Just honestly, the best he's been with the books. And I know we're talking about this now for a few weeks. But with each passing week, it gets more and more impressive and surprising too somewhat because you look at his age, you look at the injury he's worked his way back from that kept him out for the majority of last season. And to be the guy he now is, is truly, truly phenomenal. Um, what he is doing defensively in just like every regard, he's contesting so many more shots than anyone else in the NBA. It's like five or six more per game at this point. Um, the blocks we know about is three-point shooting. It's something we've settled into, I guess, in his time with the books of being like, oh, what's important about Brooke is he can make a tree, not that he necessarily will make it. Like he's a 34% three-point shooter, which as a center is above average. It's good, but it's not like he's a dead eye. Well, this year he's a dead eye, you know, and yeah. Brooke knocking down 40.4% of his trees on over five attempts per game. Like, add that to what he's doing defensively. It's truly, truly next level stuff. And I think we're all talking about Brooke, but I, I think there's more flowers to be kind of passed around. Bobby Portis to me is having a weird season um, with his three point shooting not there at all. I feel like there's a lot there that Bobby wouldn't be happy with with his own game that I don't think Bucks fans are so happy with his own game. And yet he's averaging a double-double off the bench. He's rebounding like an absolute menace. Um, I feel like he's a greater threat on the offensive boards than we have previously seen him be with the Bucks. That's very unlikely to be a coincidence. Um, it's something that Bud has kind of leaned into more in recent years, but it feels like with Brooke back, part of Bobby's new role is, okay, you are the bench big. You are our first guy off the bench, but we want you to set the tone by crashing the boards, by being so aggressive that the energy you're bringing into a game by way of not starting is really felt by the opponent and it's seen on the scoreboard. So far, that is absolutely working. 14 points, 10.3 rebounds. As I said, I don't think this is the best version of Bobby. Like I think Bobby was more controlled in a lot of ways for long spells of last year, I think there is a version of him that maybe the three-point shooting comes back, maybe the defense picks up a notch. And if he's doing some of what he's doing too, all of a sudden, he's by a country mile the best bench player in the league. I don't know. We'll see how that one plays out. Go on, Jordan. There's something to say about that. I was going to say, I know the NBA uh, reimagined their uh, prestigious trophies. Get ready to change that John Havlicek uh, trophy to Bobby Portis um, in a couple years' time. That's all I'm ready to say. <laughs> and as I said to you when you made this joke in our private group, uh, he's got to win one first. And I don't, I don't think he's going to win one. 
It's mm. not even a reflection on his play. This is just he is not. He does no, not fit the profile. Double double off the doesn't bench. fit the profile. Mm. If there's might, a guard, if there's things. a guard averaging seventeen off the bench, playing no defense, not passing, not rebounding, they will get it over a guy averaging fourteen and ten. I genuinely I think don't that. Know about that. I think that's how that award has been shaped, being oh, defined, sure. and that's and that's just what people look for. Like it's a long time since we've seen kind of any kind of pattern that voters are willing to break away from that in a meaningful way. So a lot of season left. Look, if he picks up the shooting, he could become undeniable. But I would still be betting against him winning that just because of the kind of the infrastructure around that particular award. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the back end, if we have time, we'll talk about all of the new award names and new awards and all of that stuff. I don't know. I've got thoughts. Maybe they're best just left alone. That's a fancy thought. Javon Carter doing what he did last season. Um, and I say that as a really kind of great compliment to him because I think one of the questions we had, and he did struggle a little bit with his three-point shooting to start the year, was could he maintain that? Like, was that just an anomaly and we're not going to see him shoot around 40% again? He is currently over, touching 41% um, from behind the arc. His defense is phenomenal. Nobody needs to be told that at this point. If you're watching books games regularly, he is ready when called upon for whatever his role has been. He has had big scoring games. He's had games where he'll score zero points and he'll lock in and produce really, really outstanding defense. This week, we've got to see him even take on, you know, the Warriors with Drew Holiday out. So more so than just, okay, Javon, you're coming in and you're going to lock down an elite backcourt alongside Drew. He's had to take more of the kind of the front side of those responsibilities. Just unbelievably valuable. Unbelievably valuable. Doing everything you could ask for for a player of his type. Grayson, we've talked a little bit about, like... If Grayson could just have finished some of the layups he was missing earlier in the season, 50, 40, 90 would be in question for would be in play for Grayson. He's still True. not he's still not a million miles off that coming into play as the season goes on. Um his layups are fascinating. I was thinking a lot about it, particularly when you're watching Dante De Vicenzo on the other side of the floor in that Warriors game, where Grayson had a couple of takes and finishes against the Warriors where you're like that's so high level and it's so decisive and aggressive and he's so quick in making the decision and making the movement and he's laid it up and in before the defender can react. Like, why doesn't he do that every time? But I think something we've touched on in the past too is it feels like he can overcomplicate some of his layup attempts at times. There's, there's possibly just use your athleticism, go up, finish quickly. And Grayson will be eager to uh, get to the other side of the rim and try a reverse. And he's, not actually noticing that, oh, well, the guy has come across, co- come in to block you uh, right in front of your face while you're worrying about trying to finish the reverse. I don't know. I think Grayson is playing really, really well. <laughs> and it's worth just making a point out of that because I feel like as a whole, we've all been very busy to try and trade him or try to imagine what the best use of the salary is for quite some time. But you look at what he's actually delivering overall, it's like, no, it's working. He's doing a great job. And the other guy I'll add into this mix is at the back end of it, and he's still working his way back, and his shooting has not come around at all yet, but it is Pat Connaughton. I 
I feel like there is solidity to the book's play when he's out there. My moment of the season so far may well be Pat blocking Dante into oblivion. That was impressive. That was special. That was special. That's just, you know, there's only room for one of us in this town, kid. This is what that was. <laughs> uh, former comrades, they used to hang out in their leather jackets and everything. But Dante, Dante, to his credit, had a good game. Uh, made some shots at one point. I I was not watching live. I don't know did that get the the Dante Hive back rising again as if you know he's a good NBA player, which he's not. But I enjoyed it very, very much, Jordan, when Pat blocked Dante. Um, I have no real concerns about Pat as the season goes on. I, I think he is he is playing catch up. I guess even more so than Chris because the plan for Chris was you're not going to be ready until X and we're going to ramp you up appropriately. Pat was ready for preseason, injured in preseason, so you'd lose your preseason and you're coming back. Like, I wonder if that will mean that there are, parts, there are parts of his game that doesn't fully click in until maybe the All-Star break where there's just like a week where you can actually reset and be like, okay, let's let's kind of get on the right page here. That's a really tough adjustment to make when you're all good to go and then you're not and then you're in the season. Um, but I have no concerns about him. I think he will do what he needs to do in terms of fill his role, be solid defensively, make good rebounding plays, bring energy, be fully engaged. He'll move the ball. He'll move off the ball. And I just don't know if there's another team in the NBA who has that what we're going through in the four to eight range. I think there are teams who have comparable options, but I would fight anyone on the case that there's a better collection of players out there because it's not just what you're getting from those role players and what they can offer, but it's also how well they complement the three guys that we're not talking about here, who are clearly a tier above them as well. And I don't know. It's just, it's it's not news. We knew the books had depth and real depth. And there are other guys who have good games, have had good games, can still do that, whether that's your Wesley Matthews, your George Hill, your Marjan Beauchamp, who we're kind of overlooking there. Um, but the books' depth and how well their supporting casts are playing is really, really standing out to me right now. Same. Um, yeah, I, I just... I it's a wealth of options that you just have and when things are clicking to the degree that they are with as you mentioned players four through eight beyond the Giannis's Drew's and Chris and I mean not to give Drew the short stick here but he's having a fantastic year too um it's a shame that he's uh dealing with his non-COVID illness right now um, but like it's it's it has just been routine whether it's been the the many games that the Bucks were without Pat and Chris, and you saw how much of a role that Brooke played and how Bobby came in and filled in, you know, taking a bigger role off the bench or whether he was starting for Giannis if he was missing a game or resting or whatever the case may be. Um, Grayson had the first Mavericks game he went shot has shot the lights out i mean that's he's such a great shooter um and has really perfected that kind of kyle corver-esque role that they that they have 
shown, but it's been more than that. It's been like shooting at a standstill. It's been making the right decisions on the break and stuff like that that has been working really well. The half court, all that stuff. Um, Javon, I mean, Javon is interesting because basically everybody, what everybody wanted from the offseason after the Celtics loss, it was about Javon should have a bigger role. Javon should have a bigger role. It was also coupled with Trey George Hill. He doesn't mean anything to the squad and all that stuff. And we both have made our piece on that. And just say like, no, there's, there's a world where you can have both players and Javon just plays a little bit more than George Hill. And it still works out fine for the Bucks. And to that point, it has worked out fine for the Bucks. Yeah. And to that end, a night where you're playing the Warriors, granted, they're not the vaulted Warriors or vaunted, vaunted. That's a word. Vaunted. Yeah. It is a word. They're not the vaunted warriors of even last year. Um, and he's without Drew Holiday. He has to go against Steph Curry um, primarily. And to his credit, <laughs> bothered him endlessly. And it's stuff like that. Like he is just an engine that he just picks up guys routinely 94 feet. He does his little, um, what was it? Uh he like ran down the, we even noticed it on the playback when we were doing that. Um, he ran down the court, I think for a technical foul or something like that, where it was, he was trying to like get in the mind of a warrior shooter that like, I don't know what it was, but it was stuff like that. that just there was, like, there's a moment. I don't know if this is what you're talking about. It's, it's even where he just like, there was a couple of times where I think Steph, the ball was inbound at Steph. And then Javon literally just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like Steph would be like, oh, I've got this time. But Javon would come sprinting in as if he was actually consciously saying, oh, I'm going to hold back until the ball comes in and then I'm going to go. So between, say, the bounce of the ball and it landing in Steph's hands and him being like, I've got lots of time to when he actually gathers and goes to turn, I'm going to be at his back. I'm going to be pinned to his back. And Curry, look, he obviously he made some shots. He scored 20 points. So he struggled. Um, oh, on, a, on a night where the Warriors needed the best version of him, like that's a big feather in Javon's cap in a game without Drew, too. And it's going to be the ongoing discussion. There's always something, Jordan. We've always got something, one one talking point or another, but it is going to be the fifth starter and how all of that plays out. And it will only become more and more kind of divisive and heated if Grayson continues to play well. And shoot really well, and Javon continues to play well and defend really well and shoot really well. It's going to become something where there are, there are clear kind of different sides. Honestly, good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've been in this spot before the where problem, the man. books the books sometimes they've had to pick from bad options. So if they're picking from good options, that gives you a plan B. That gives you an ability to adjust. Um, very much a fan of how that's shaking up. Just you mentioned technicals. Have you ever seen the likes of this? What like this was not a chippy game. What is going on? Yeah, Just was... like front and center referee. Yeah, that was um not fun. That whole third quarter was a slog, and it was I don't know, I don't know. I would think if you've given out a couple, you get more. Well, clearly you don't get self conscious, but you should get self conscious of that as a crew and be like, okay. Let's rein it in now and let's let some basketball. Like we've we've thrown down the marker. They know we're gonna give out tacticals. Like I 
Bud obviously said something. It was by no means the most animated I've seen Bud when he got called for a tech. I just, I don't really know. And I mean, Steve Kirk probably should have been tossed because he was completely apoplectic. Um, I just, I didn't know what exactly was going on. A lot of refereeing in that game, which never good when there's a lot of refereeing, but there certainly was on that occasion. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. To get us back to the, the matter at hand, I threw it out to you before we started, Jordan. This is, it's not the kind of thing I say flippantly to a man like you. I know how much taught you will give this, how serious you will take it, but is there a possibility that this is the greatest books team roster kind of top to bottom that we've ever seen? I believe so. Um, I don't even, even you look at like the, obviously the championship winning teams, you think of, I mean, more so for 2020 and 2021. <laughs> they were, it was so, um, I don't know. I think it was even more special because of how little there was beyond their starting lineup. It was Pat and occasionally Jeff Teague or <laughs> occasionally, I don't know, uh, Bryn Forbes, Elijah Bryan played minutes. Like it was just like, it was highlighted by the fact that the Bucks just did not have, or obviously Bobby too. I forgot about Bobby, but it was not highlighted by the fact that, or it was highlighted by the fact that there was just so little past six and seven. 
players that they just needed those six or seven players to play as good as they did. Um, and they still did it by the skin of their teeth. Um, I'm sure you could probably go to, through some 80s teams that, you know, that stood out deep, for... Definitely the deepest, most consistently deepest era of the books. Deepest, and obviously it's coupled with the fact that they could never get past the Sixers or the Celtics and all that stuff. Even their, the losing to the Celtics in the finals, the 74 finals, that team was pretty deep too, like at, kind of surprisingly. Um, even if there was a lot of holdovers from the championship with a year, three years earlier. There's just something different, though, about having guys, again, it's Brooke, Javon, Bobby, um, Grayson carrying them past through the starting lineup, through their bench. And Jordan. And Joe Ingles isn't even back yet. Xmas surprise. That is the thing that I'm getting very excited about is that as we kind of, I'm not saying this is how we predicted it being, but we knew that Joe Ingles is the quote unquote luxury to this team. Mm-hmm. We said that even based on how everything went last year, not having Chris and you still take the Celtics seven games in a series that you wrote three to two, and obviously the last two games he blew. Um, the Celtics were the more talented team by the end, on, end of the day. Doesn't matter. For the Bucks to come around and say, okay, we're fine with everybody that we have. We think that is enough. And still, first day of free agency, signed or, or, Joe Ingles um, and know that it's going to be, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. He's going to take his time getting back from injury. And it still does not really change your regular season expectations. Of course, come playoff time, you hope that he has played his best or as good as he can be by that time. But like, I think in in that sense too, that this has worked out exactly like how they designed it to be, where you could have a guy like Joe Ingles returning from an ACL injury and get to know the guys, kind of work his way as like a leader in the locker room, and then play as a solid contributor for this team. And even that, like, it's when Joe Ingles comes in, it's now we're talking about, okay, who's getting less minutes? Is it going to affect, it's certainly going to affect Pat. It's going to affect probably even the starters. Like, Chris might not see as many minutes as, you know, he's still working his way back. Like, again, good problems to have when you have Joe Ingles still on the horizon of returning. But we're going through so many different changes that, like, it is, endlessly fascinating how the Bucks navigate through this and it still might not matter because they're still as good as they are and <laughs> if they just run so deep so that's that's the thing that is just mind-boggling this year is that pretty even with things not going their way whether it was with Chris or Pat or whatever else things are just kind of just humming along in ways that I think we all wanted to see, but it was just a matter of like, okay, could that actually happen? Could they be 20 and seven by, you know, a week and a half before Christmas? I don't think a lot of people predicted that even with a soft schedule and a lot of time in between, but that is, that is where we are. Yeah. And I think to Ingalls, if he is absolutely nothing, I mean, if he is a complete zero, I don't think it hurts the book's 
title chances at all. Which is, you know, why sane and reasonable people weren't shouting his name over and over again when the news when the news broke, Jordan. That's why you're like, oh, look at the upside of this, and is there really a downside? No, there's not. Um, it very much feels like that to me, being genuine and not just making fun of Rohan. Um, I I think there is nothing the books have to lose here because I, I do think again to the point of if it's oh well they need a different type of player well the different type of player may be there for you to get in a way that's going to work out for you anyway which is like going and getting Jay Crowder via Grayson Allen package whatever that is like a that option is not off the table if that's what the books feel within the next couple of months oh no, we need to do that that's a, a hole in this team I personally don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think the book should be very, very careful about overcorrecting to something that they're mapping ahead. Take yourself seriously as like the benchmark, the best team in the league, the champions the year before last, the team that I think would have been champions last year if Chris doesn't get injured. Don't go out of your way trying to like solve matchup problems on your roster that I don't think are as pressing as some of the problems that you can cause your opponents. I, it's very much where I feel. I don't, I don't think they're... Particularly, it is the idea of, okay, a bigger body, a stronger body, someone more defensive-minded. And Crowder gives you more than that, so that's where the appeal to that specific uh, individual, that case, comes into things. The Bucks are a great defensive team as things stand. And I think they can match up with the kind of team. Like, who are you doing that for? We don't even have to make a Jay Crowder specifically before we say a Jay Crowder type. Like, is that for the Celtics? Because you have good options that you can match up with every Celtic and play what is pretty much your best lineup if you're the books, in my opinion. Um, well, I, I do think it is something of always searching for that PJ Tucker glue guy, defensive stopper kind of guy. But this it, is not two years ago. This roster exactly. is not two years ago. It's, I don't think that's needed in the same way it was at that point. No. And as we've talked about many times, the problem that the Bucks have always had in the playoffs, largely always happened in the playoffs, is that their offense takes a huge hit and then you're so reliant on their defense to make stops to bother their best players or it's either bother their, the opposing team's best players or take everything else away and let Kevin Durant go for 50 points and then still somehow manage to win a playoff series. Um, it's stuff like that that they've that has been the formula. So the fact that they're have built a team that they want to make a better offensively, um, and that's very much clear. Even what down to the Ingles signing, as you said, like he still doesn't have to be Joe Ingles of old. He could be Joe old Joe Ingles and still make a solid impression on this team. Um, Some real I think old that, Gill energy to old Joe Ingles, exactly. Um, I think that is like where it's always, it's always going to be that question of like, do you want more offense or you want more defense? And Jay Crowder brings that, 
But bring switch. That's a good question. Um, he, he doesn't. He does not bring more offense if you're trading Grayson Allen. For He'll certainly shoot as much as Grayson does. That's not his answer. <laughs> he will, but I don't feel like you certainly don't want that either. I I just think there's a real be careful what you wish for here. And it's like yeah. everything is in good shape and your additions are built into your roster construction. Joe Ingles is your addition. Now, I think the thing that opens this up, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, if Ingles comes back and Ingles looks like, you know, the best version of Joe Ingles very quickly and he slots in seamlessly and he looks healthy and he's doing so much for your offense, he's making shots, his playmaking, then Grayson does become expendable. And then you could be like, well, would we be better having someone who is a four, could play big at the tree, whatever it is, who is stronger, is bigger, defensive-minded, all of that. In that case, then yes. Uh, I, I think that's certainly something that is worth kind of keeping an eye on. Yeah. But we'll see. Okay, Jordan, I, I think that covers off the bulk of the, the book stuff we, we wanted to talk about there. The one thing we can do actually is we can take a, a little bit of a look ahead. Um, as we record this, the day we record this, maybe some of you are not like, Oh, when a six has dropped, let me go listen to that immediately, kind of listeners. And if that's the case, maybe the day after you're listening, or the day before, I, I see I'm getting lost with the time stuff, Jordan. We are, in fact, not time travelers. But as we record, the books are going to be in Memphis, take on the Grizzlies later tonight. Um, they are going to be at home to face the Utah Jazz on Saturday. And then probably before people hear from us next, they're going to take on the Pelicans in New Orleans. The Pelicans making quite a bit of noise to this point in the season. Top of the West, tied, same record as the Grizzlies uh, right now. And then on the road in Cleveland against the Cavaliers. So there's no Houston Rockets this week. Should we be grateful for that based on how last week went? (laughs) Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, yeah, it's going to get tough. Tough. We are all looking at that Celtics matchup, but there's some there's some big tests before we even get to that point. That um, Literally every game before that point is a big test. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they manage this stretch. I mean, it's every other game, too. So, now you're all these long days between games. That's pretty much unheard of at least there's no back-to-backs um but yeah it's every other day and it's 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 gonna be hit after hit after hit it sure will um and as we said last week if they get through it in good shape much more favorable stretch in the schedule facing them and things will really be looking great not that they aren't already all right, Jordan. Um, the other thing that I mentioned, and I just really don't know if we should actually be doing this. I don't know if anyone wants to hear this. I don't. I actually the, don't know. I haven't have done this. <laughs> I haven't taken the temperature generally. I wasn't. I saw a few tweets, but not a whole lot. I don't know how this has generally been received. 
Um, the NBA this week unveiled six new trophies for what I believe are called the Kia Performance Awards. Um, the what was no, it's not even what was. This is the thing. So, the Kia NBA Most Valuable Player Award will now be the Michael Jordan Trophy. So if you are the Kia NBA Most Valuable Player, I'm sorry for all these free ads, you get presented with the Michael Jordan Trophy, um, which is a trophy that is allegedly supposed to be Michael Jordan. Reaching for the sky more than dunking. That's my one thing first saw with the design here. It's the taking a rebound. I, I don't know. Um, it looks like an Oscar that is holding like a ball. Like a it ball. is. There's all this kind of stuff, which I just think is. He's twenty three point six inches tall, and the nameplate is six sided, and all of this is like great. Wow, you got as many Michael Jordan references into the design as possible. Fantastic. Do I do we stop at MVP and talk about that, or will I? I'll keep going through. Let's just go through all of them. Go through all of them. So awarded to the Kia, sorry, another free ad, NBA Clutch Player of the Year, the Jerry West Trophy. This is a new award. Uh, Jordan, do you know how this award is going to be judged, no. voted for, gauged? Is this literally people are like, oh, he's clutch? No, as I joked at the time, uh, Tuesday, uh, you can easily make a LeBron James joke and turn clutch into K so it's clutch the most clutch player uh. <laughs> this trophy is like uh, a gold man who has been encased in glass and it's just desperate he's centuries waiting for someone to set him free yeah I am I didn't see the designs of these trophies everybody looks like Han Solo encased in uh, what is it uh, what carbonite like carbonite yeah I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand what they're doing with these designs. You and me both, Jordan. You and me both. The Kim Olajuwon Trophy awarded to the key NBA Defensive Player of the Year. This trophy looks exactly like the other trophy, except the man encased here is he has his limbs stretched as wide as possible because he's holding the walls up. He's allegedly in a defensive stance, but to me, it looks like if he, if he relaxes those legs, it's going to close in on him. Yeah, he's he's James Franco in 127 hours right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the most recent so film weird. you've seen, is it, Jordan? Uh, uh, yeah. No, actually, really I don't want to touch that one. Uh, the really Will long. Chamberlain Trophy will be awarded <laughs> to the Key NBA Rookie of the Year. Um. Uh, I guess this is the iconic photo of Wilt. Is that the pose here? <laughs> is it, yeah, Jordan? Guess, that was, that was a question. I guess that's a pose. You know it's what it actually shorter. reminds me of? What? I think it looks like Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. It does look like Dr. Manhattan. It's very... These are very odd. The John Havlicek Trophy for Key NBA Sixth Man of the Year. Seemingly missing a foot, his left foot. Oh, I can see his left foot. You can. It just looks like know. he's about to fall at any minute. There's nothing supporting him. Yeah. 
Am I through them all yet? Of course I'm not. The George, George Michael trophy. Uh, he's got to make that shot or otherwise he gets sent down the drain. Why is Mikan the most improved player? That was the one that I I don't know. I guess Actually, they're, here's, they're a, really... here's a take. Here's a take for this podcast, Jordan. Yeah. This should have been the Giannis Antetokounmpo trophy. There has never been a more interesting, most improved player case and trajectory than Giannis. And very I think well that would have that would have been a good. Uh, now I'm sure they were very intentionally not using active players. Which I, I don't know what that achieves because are we going to make another award in a few years to name the LeBron James Trophy and the Steph Curry Trophy and the Kevin Durant Trophy? Uh, these are all terrible trophies. Is my my take <laughs> outside of the MVP? They're the all only the same. One that isn't encased in. I know something. it's it's Jordan. Jordan is free. Both you and Michael to uh to Rome to to play the game to rebound by the looks of the trophy. <laughs> I think the MVP trophy, the existing MVP trophy, looked awesome. The Coach of the Year trophy looked awesome. I guess that's still the same. Yeah, that's also they they did rename that. Unless they're going to do that for a, a later date, I guess. What do they do with the Executive of the Year? Are they changing it to Red Auerbach Executive of the Year trophy or whatever? Or is that Jerry West? I don't know. I, I, on the whole, I don't. The idea of naming the trophies after former players is fine because that is actually what happens. It just happens in a more organic way than this, usually. And I think they would have been better rolling this out the renaming of the trophies over a two to three year span as opposed to going, here's all our new Kia NBA Performance Award trophies now named after NBA players. <laughs> It feels very soulless. I think they look very soulless. Um, it is also worth that worth noting that these trophies are all branded with Kia on the glass on the front of them. So we haven't we haven't left our Kia overlords yet. But, so what's the longevity here? Like and what I assumed all of these trophies in the past there was a trophy, you know, an actual trophy. That's the one trophy. I'm sure then you can get a replica you keep for yourself. No, I'm being serious though, because I do think yeah. this is always like an important part of it's when you've got the trophy, you've got the trophy, the same trophy that all these people have had, and that matters. With glass trophies, is that going to be the case? With trophies that are emblazoned with the current sponsor, like Kia aren't necessarily going to be the sponsor for these awards in five years. So the, the trophies change again. Like you're just devaluing the impact of like. A photo, a photo of an MVP in year X looking the same as a photo of an MVP in year Y. And I know the trophy hasn't always been the same, but we have now had a pretty significant run where a lot of players have had the same trophies, notable players, and through the age where the most footage, the most photographs, the most kind of, I don't know, resonance for the collective cultural memory of NBA fans that they've just been burned in, this is what that looks like. I think it's a really weird decision. I don't understand why. Like, that's, at the baseline level, my question is, why? Like, you could name the MVP the Michael Jordan Trophy without actually changing the look of it, too. I feel like, like, you can honor someone. I don't know. I just... Uh, they just do this stuff now, Jordan. They just... Here it all is, all at once. Bang, we've changed all of these things. It's like, great, no one wanted this. No one asked for this, and I don't think it achieves anything. Is this Kia's idea? 
did they want their names like actually on the trophies in a different way? I can't quite understand it. I'm sure it's something most people don't care about. And the truth is, I won't care about it that much beyond like right now and when I see people handed these awards. At least yeah. the MVP trophy does look different to the others. And I know there have been issues on some similarities between the look of awards in the past, but I do think those glass awards are not great. That's like what I expect someone, if we're giving out player to game awards at the end of each game, you get like this piece of crystal and it's like, there you go. Congratulations, you're a player to game. It does not feel like something that fits the momentousness of what these awards are supposed to stand for. Who is the first player to have their trophy break because the glass just smashes everywhere? Um, yeah, it's very. It was very at the the first win. Bobby, Bobby with the John Havlicek trophy. How was, dare you? Because no, earlier on you weren't happy because I was saying he wasn't gonna win. Now I say he's gonna win, and you're not happy. There's just no winning. Um, he's always winning. Um, I don't know what that meant. Uh, oh, always first... winning here on the Win and Six podcast. Exactly. The first suggestion I saw that they were renaming things is I got I subscribed to Mark Stein, fellow Substacker, um, your colleague, and, and my colleague, of course. And I saw that he or was basically suggesting that the NBA is going to rename their uh, Kia Performance Awards, um, and I was like, "Huh, that's random and weird." And guess what? It turned out to be very random and weird. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, what is this for? Yeah, I guess it, it keeps the longevity of these names, but it's also at a very, just like, it serves really no function to a player's legacy other than like a talking point that they will bring up, um, I guess going into every awards presentation, but that is one day out of 360, 365 days. I, I, I don't know. I just, these are just things that just happen with Adam Silver's NBA, I guess. And you just kind of be like, huh, okay. And it doesn't make a mark on your life until it's like, no one no one is actually going to be writing a column or we're not going to have a, a, a podcast be like, Giannis is the 2022-23, or is the deserving um, candidate for the 22-2023 Michael Jordan trophy. It's always people are going to call it. MVP. I don't know. You don't know. You don't think that they will. So I work in my day to day life in the capacity of working for a sports broadcaster. And I am aware of how the obligations for this kind of stuff from a league work if they want to enforce it, which is like a memo may well have gone out from the NBA being this is to be referred as referred to as the Michael Jordan trophy. So for example, if on ESPN and all their, you know, if Stephen A is calling it that and a first take, uh, whatever the, the show, I can't get up. Was that what that was called? Yeah. Get up. That other, I can't remember the other NBA show that they've never renamed. It's amazing how just NBA the, whatever, is that what the jump was? Yeah. yeah. Um, like if all of those people are calling it the Michael Jordan trophy because the NBA is really serious about that kind of branding sticking for these things and they create that as an obligation. Well, yeah, we'll take hold. So 
are you and I going to necessarily do that? No. But I do think if it's on everyone's TV, like if the league is very serious about that being the naming process, and because it's not it's not a sponsor's name that people will just disregard, like people aren't going to have issues with calling it the Michael Jordan trophy. They're like, yeah, cool, Michael Jordan. That over time, that could could actually stick. I do think this kind of thing is different because if the league are serious about it, they have the power to make the people who present the league stick to those terminology. Now, that may not be the case. They may not care that much, but from my uh, my non-winning six seed, from the seat in the other part of my life, I have seen how that stuff can work with leagues, and I could imagine how if the NBA want to go that route, they could go that route. They could. Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be surprised if they do, because I don't think I don't think we'll to put on inside the NBA and Charles Barkley's doing that. Charles Barkley's going to name everybody like the MVP or whatever the case may be. But it will be interesting to see how the NBA handles like that, like. If they crack the whip in terms of like it has to be called the Michael Jordan Trophy, not MJ, not MJ Trophy, not the GM most improved, no initials. I think it gets more interesting. The George Mikan Trophy, that's where it gets interesting, where your average young NBA fan does not know who George Mikan is. And then people like you and I who do, we do not understand why he's the most improved player representative here. So that's where it gets interesting. I think the Michael Jordan trophy, people will quickly wrap their head around if that's it. They'll be like, that's MVP. That's cool. Michael Jordan trophy. I'm fine with that. I think as you get down to the Mikan trophy, the Havlicek trophy, if if that kind of level of enforcement was put in. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll forget which one he's there for, which is rookie of the year, right? Yeah. But people will just mix up what they are. I. <laughs> It's I, I am interested to see how they carry that out. It's like probably most people do not care. But people care about these awards and like a lot is made of by voters more than anyone. The great responsibility, Jordan, that comes from having a ballot for these awards and Every all of the fuss. And April on Twitter. Like oh my so, god, I'm just <laughs> Brusty, my brief. I haven't ballot. seen my wife and children in weeks because I've got this ballot to fill out. You know, it's it's always the, the the way it goes. So people make a big performative thing of how important this is and how seriously they take it. It's like so changes to these things do kind of matter, even though they don't. And how it plays out is gonna be gonna be curious to see. Anything else on awards, Jordan? <laughs> No, I could probably do 127 more hours on just make the ballot. (laughs) All right. That means we're about to wrap up, but that could only mean one thing. It is time for Coach Mike Dunlap's Tweet of the Week. Yes. Is that that the way to frame it, though? Because that sounds like he's picking his Tweet of the Week, which I'd love if he wants to (laughs) correspond with us. It doesn't even have to be his own. Just like, what is his favorite tweet he's seen this week? That could be good. (laughs) Uh, but this is Jordan Tresky's coach Dunlop tweet of the week. I love every. We, this is the third week of doing this, and we have remade it every, every week. week. Maybe we just keep that going as a bit. Um, yeah, this was. It was. I don't want to criticize the man who's supplying this art, but it was a thinner week. Let's just be honest. 
So it's not well. Plural. It wasn't tin. He was prolific. But let's get to like he's a man of many faces, right? This was all all business this week. Yes, there wasn't time for you know deep contemplation, reflection, real kind of searing insights about life because this was all about basketball. Basketball. All about but, but... basketball. That's the thing is the criteria has to meet some crossover appeal. If I was uh, diligently talking about this, like renaming a trophy or something like that. Um, I want to see some real life mixed in with his, his, you know, his profession. Maybe there's a little bit of in between sometimes who, who cares? Uh, But yeah, it was very business-like for um, coach Dunlap. So let's, let's get to the tweet of the week. Tweeted December 12th, 2022 at 12.05 p.m. Searching for, quote unquote, more. Read more, write more, ask more, tell more, etc. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe, just maybe, we should be seeking, quote unquote, quote, less, end quote. Essence, whittled down every day, every second. What we do until bare bones discovered. No, we bypass celebration of a player's B day to have, quote, more, end quote, in practice. I actually missed this tweet. <laughs> what's the what's the proximity? <laughs> Jordan is dying. Um What's the proximity to the tweet before? Like, oh, these are all over one. Post at the same time, but not treaded. Right, saying that not treaded, of course. God, he must, he must type fast or have these because he tweeted them all at once, but not as a tread. Whose birthday is he referencing? Giannis's. Giannis. Giannis's birthday was a few days before that. <laughs> We're not so many your birthday. Get back to I don't. I don't know, Coach Dunlap, wider books organization. I think maybe you should celebrate Giannis's birthday. There's a birthday we're going to celebrate. Maybe it should be Giannis's birthday, but so let's unpack it more. Yeah. <laughs> so read it's the two tweets because there's an ellipsis at the end of the first one. So difference maker. Period. How much time do you spend doing addition by subtraction, by subtraction even? question mark story period that's you know that's when you lead in when mike says it's story time guys story new orleans temple assistant jim maloney topic post passing teaching points priorities a drill and so forth mike now we need to talk about throwing excess away can only teach one thing go like that's that's really defeated these are sent at the exact same time oh don't, yeah no it's yeah i don't know how he did that so go searching for quote unquote more read more write more ask more tell more etc maybe just maybe we should be seeking quote unquote less essence whittle down every day every second what we do until bare bones discovered no, we bypass celebration of a player's B-Day to have more in practice. Oh, okay. So I'm now reading this the other way, though. Yeah. I don't think 
they did that. I think they did the opposite. Yeah. Which this is quite cryptic. I mean, which is the nature of the artist. Nature. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think the suggestion is, should it be more? Should we just keep working and working and working and not celebrate a player's birthday? To which Coach Mike, but Mike D, that is, um, says, no, we should, we should seek less essence whittled down every day, every second. What we do until bare bones discovered. That's like a Terrence Malick movie voiceover. Um, that is. Yeah, I, I, think you, I think you yeah. nailed it this week. This is the first time I haven't disagreed with you. I missed this one. This go. is the good stuff. I think there's a pretense of basketball, but really he's getting down to, you know, what he does best in this one. Um, yeah, and, and I again, I did not realize it was a two-parter. There was no uh, parentheses one de- slash two. And it was not a tread, but no, they were both said at the same time, which is just, did he have two tabs open? Twitter and both of them, tweets typed up in both, and he just went one to the other? I The process I here know. is fascinating. Um, there is another one I like. It's not. It's not a not tweeted a week contender, but he quote tweets Coach Jim Boone a couple of days before that, uh, who had a tweet about winning games within the game and gave nine different steps priorities. And what I like about this one is Mike Dunlap starts his quote tweet of a with now boil it down, which to me just has a massive Hubie Brown energy. It's just, yeah. it's it's exactly how Hubie Brown, someone lays out some stats and Hubie would respond on commentary with now boil it down. Uh, so the rest of that tweet is just, it's very basketball. So it's underwhelming. I think you made the right choice, Jordan. Um, Thank you. I'm glad that this is why we have to discuss great art like this, because the meanings may not always be apparent on first viewing, first reading, but through the process of talking through it, we got to I think what the artist intended here. Yes, we we will celebrate someone's birthday. It wasn't Giannis related. It was Temple. No, I'm confused again. I that, don't know. Exactly. There are some things you got to let the mystery be. You know that 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 much is clear. Um, maybe next week we'll get a. a actually, I will say that was a decent one. That was a decent. That, one. that was good. I think yeah. it was better than we originally kind of promoted to be i missed that yeah. one entirely as a two-parter i love again to be the ability to read it out and just the punctuation is so fascinating uh you know something i'm actually thinking here now there is a possibility we hadn't considered because we talk about the weird kind of punctuation and the rhythm to these tweets they read aloud much better and then they read silently. Is it possible he is dictating these tweets? That these are being generated with his voice? So like he's speaking it into his phone? He's speaking it into his phone. He's speaking it some software that is just he's like, I'm too busy to open up that app and I'm just gonna it's it's like, you know, is he a doctor and they're recording notes on patients and like a TV show? So like, that's Mike Dunlap with his tweets, but he's just like because look, I'm gonna I'll read the first one one more time for the example of this. Sorry, everyone. Or not. If you like it, you're welcome. Difference maker. How much time do you spend doing addition by subtraction? Story. New Orleans. Temple assistant Jim Maloney. Topic 
post-passing. Teaching points, priorities, a drill, and so forth. Mike, now we need to talk about throwing excess away. Can only teach one thing. Go. See what I'm saying? I can... I, he definitely has to have a very kind of a grandized self sense of self to be going around talking about, and particularly to address himself as Mike in this dialogue he's having with himself. But I just, I do wonder, like, <laughs> it, it seems weirder to imagine someone sitting down and typing that tweet out than it is for them to be kind of dictating in some way. Maybe he's got an assistant that he just... He's like, here's here's a Twitter, and he just starts speaking, and there's an assistant like frantically typing. I think this is a question that only one person can answer. Mike Dunlap, please, please come on the show. I want, I want to know, I want to know everything. I will have a list of questions. I will have a list of questions for him to answer. Oh, I, think I look. Mike Dunlap, if you're listening, Mike Dunlap's people. Also, do you want to write for a documentary? Because he is a, an incredible... Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't know if this works long form, Jordan. Uh, but that's that's a different conversation. Uh, maybe maybe All-Star break, we can we can see what we can make happen. Maybe we set as a target. Let's see. Ooh, we'll have nice. our people talk to your people, Mike. <laughs> All right. It's time to uh, to reflect on essence, to whittle down the podcast. I think it's fair to say the bare bones of this episode have been discovered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Eurostep Podcast Network feed. That's where you get all episodes of the Eurostep with Ty Winnish and Ron Cuddy and Winning Six, Jordan and I. Talk of the Tundra, Jordan. Give us the give us the live promo. You were on it. You know what you talked about. That episode is out today, right? Is it out today? Yeah, it's it just it's already been published. Numac just hit the tweet uh, as we are recording just moments ago. Yeah, we talked about Jordan Love taking ownership of the situation and trying to get that old geezer Aaron Rodgers out of the out of the picture. Um, previewed the Packers uh, Monday Night Football game with the Rams and some seemingly still in the hunt for a playoff seed. Um, really? Despite... Are, we, are we really, be- are we believing? We Never say mathematically die? alive. Mathematically alive. As um, Han Solo once said before he was encased in carbonite and uh, the NBA's future Kia performance trophies, he said, never tell me the odds. Um, and we're still. That operating. sounds like something Aaron Rodgers would say. Whether Jordan Love would say it, that's a different matter. But for all of that kind of stuff, <laughs> talking to Tundra, that's the place where I'll take the screen by Packers. <laughs> yes. Chris for Bruising, myself and Andrew Snyder talk all things Brewers. Latest episode is breakdown of the the Brewers acquisition of William Petreras for a bag of chips. No disrespect, I say re-raised, but the Brewers we'll always have the the like 2022 bandits. trade deadline with Esther Ruiz. Look, this is the hall, Jordan. This is part of the I hater know. hall. So people want to process it now, and I'm sure people will want to process it like that, as opposed to framing it as what was the hater hall being the hater hall and the ensuing collapse. Make time for this, the home for all things pop culture and everything else on GSPN. Um, we've had movie episodes and all sorts up already this week, but also 
if not by the time you're listening to this very shortly after uh world cup semi-final review and i look ahead to the final with myself and andrew snyder could be found i'll make time for this we've got everything covered from all angles all across the Eurostep podcast network get involved gspn.info you can get into the discord from there you can check out the merch store you can go rate and review the pods whatever it is your heart desires you'll find it there until next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you jordan thank you Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.